0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life.
1: There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy. Chapter 7. Once you got it there, hold it up. Mark chapter 7. I love looking around. Some of you are that high-tech, you got that on the Bible, you got you on your cell phone, some of you got the iPad, some of you got your Bible. That's okay. As long as you got a copy of God's Word. That's all matters. Hold it up. This is God's Word. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of
0: God. Let's say that together together again. I'm going to put this in the bulletin next week. But this is the word of God. I will read it, I will believe it,
1: and I will obey it by the grace of God. All right, let's read Mark chapter 7 again, beginning in verse 30,
0: or verse 31 rather. And again, departing out of the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts coast of Decapolis. And they bring, him, bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. In other words, he couldn't talk. Some, well, could he stutter or what was the problem? He was having a speech impediment. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up into heaven, he sighed and said, saith unto him, Epitha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged that they should tell no man, But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, that you would help us to understand, God, that your word is true, and that your son. Jesus is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the God of heaven, the God of earth. Father, he is one and the same with you. And Father, I pray that you would just help us to know that and understand the purpose of these miracles is so that part of the purpose is so that we can know that. In Jesus' name, amen. Lucas, would you turn the slider portion of that white microphone down just a little bit? I'm a little hot here if I hold it to my face that's a little better there you go a little bit better i want you to hear me but i don't want to be ringing off the walls especially if i get loud and so I need to adjust that just a little bit last week we began talking about well we've been in the book of mark of course verse by verse going through and we left the woman who was begging jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter and in fact over in matthew we didn't go and really look there but we referenced how Three different times she pestered Jesus. And Jesus kind of gave her an odd saying, and really he was testing her whether she would, what she would do when he kind of resisted. And it wasn't that he didn't want to heal her daughter, it was the fact that he was testing her, and she came shining through by humbling herself and saying, not settling for something less than what she was asking, but she was simply saying, Yes, I realize the children of Israel come first but even the dogs get the crumbs under the table. In other words, even the, the, uh, just a crumb would be enough to heal my daughter, is what she was saying, in essence. And all we just need is a touch, just a word, just a crumb is all we need, but he gives us so much more. And her daughter in verse 30, or 29 and 30, was healed, and the demon went out of her, and now here he is again, leaves there, and goes out again, and we talked about the, the, the last week, we talked about the purpose of miracles, or a miracle with a purpose, that it wasn't just in the healing of people, but that it was to touch us with His love. And we talked about that, His greatest miracle being dying on the cross to heal us of our sin. We talked about that. There are worse things than just to be sick or diseased or have a broken heart, or have a broken home even. There are worse things than that, as he told various ones that he healed, don't sin anymore or stop sinning lest something worse happens to you. Meaning, there's something worse than being physically sick, and that's being spiritually sick. But he touched us with his love and also with his compassion. We saw ten times, or we talked about ten times, he was moved with compassion for people. He was moved to feel their pain, their hurt, our hurt. And so therefore, he's touching us with his love, with his compassion, with his power. To show us He has the power to do these things. He has the power to give life. He has the power in life. He has the power to give of new life through repentance of our sin and what He did on the cross and the power of eternal life. But also not just a touch as we talked about last week, but to involve us because we saw, as I started to say a moment ago, He went out. They went out. They didn't just come to one place and sit and say, all right, here I am, here we are, you find us, you find a way to get here, you get yourself over here, otherwise too bad for you. No, he went to where they were. He went out, and so we too must go out and not just come in. Although we saw the second part of that was involving us or motivating us was the fact that not only did he go out, but people were bringing in. And we saw that they brought unto him one that was deaf, in verse 32, and had an impediment in his speech. You know, I don't have time to go into all the times that we see this, but one of the first times we see is Andrew, who takes Peter to Jesus. And the thing is this, is yes, we ought to invite people to church. But more importantly, we have to invite them to know Jesus whether they ever come to church or not, with us, is that we invite them to know the Master, the Lord and Savior, God, the the one of whom this book is written by and written about. You can come to church all your life and never go to heaven. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and could never go to church, you get to go to heaven. Now, again, I say that and some people say, oh, you're saying that we don't have, no, no. We ought to go to church. We need to go to church. In fact, I get tired of people saying, oh, you think you have to go to church. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. I wish people would understand that. It is a privilege and a joy for me to get to go to church. And you say, every week, preacher? Not not every week. I'm a sinner just like the rest of you. I get as discouraged and as sleepy as the rest of you. I get as... Uh, feeling a little rumble in my tummy or a little upset stomach or a little headache, just like you. And there some weeks it's harder for me than others. But still, the point that we had the freedom to go to church. We get to go and join in with others and worship and talk about God and sing about Him. That's wonderful. I love doing it by myself, but I love all the more doing it with others who want to talk about it with me. I love when people come and ask me what God's showing me in the Word or ask me something they don't understand or, hey, did you see this? I love that. I love listening to other people teach and preach. And I've teased you. Part of the reason I preach is because if I sit down long enough, I'm going to fall asleep just like some of you do. But it's harder for me to fall asleep while I'm up here moving around. But my point is this, that we get to go to church. And so therefore, to touch us with his love, that's part of the point of doing the miracle and also to motivate us to involve us in going out and bringing in because we see what God can do. We know what God has done and will do. We have the good news of the gospel, and therefore, we've got to go out. In fact, the Bible talks about go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them
1: to come in it's the going out and the coming in we've experienced jesus through a personal touch we've been satisfied
0: but don't but, but, uh, satisfied with salvation but don't stay there meaning don't just say well that's good i'm good now in leave it alone. But these people weren't satisfied. They were going out and, hey, we saw this happen. You can do it for this person too. And so they brought him saying, would you touch him, please? We saw you touch others. We saw you heal others.
1: We've heard. And so ought we who have the light, who have the truth, be going out and bringing them in. And they were interceding for. We mentioned that last week. The interceding part was a key. Was a key. I have to lost my notes. There they are. Was a key for us because
0: they were interceding for this man, and so we too. That's how we ended last week who can we intercede for or who are we interceding for and to think in our minds about a person or people that we can be the the go-between,
1: praying for but also introducing to Jesus, God. So this week, being part two of this, is I want you to see
0: number, the number three. So number one, there's, there's three major points, but the, t- the point of a, pur- a miracle, the purpose of a miracle, or a miracle with a purpose, and I'm using this one specifically, and today I'm going to get to why, but is to touch us, to involve us, Or I- I'm sorry, to, to, to touch us and to involve
1: us, but also to show us. To show us. This miracle is unique
0: one of a kind, and I want you to see why because it has one point that is completely unique from every other miracle, and it's going to tie it up in a bow to help you see exactly why this miracle. This was a miracle with a purpose, but again, it's to show us his power. Here's the thing. As we read these miracles and as we read this miracle about him healing this man with the Speech impediment and the hearing problem. We need to understand, and as we read about these miracles, if you read the Gospels, you'll come across 38 specific miracles that Jesus did in the Gospels. 38. Now, in a minute, I'm going to dive into that a little deeper in the time that I've got left. But I want you to understand, that doesn't mean 38 people. There was times where there was 5,000 plus people that were being touched by one miracle. There was 4,000 people in another miracle touched by one miracle. There were 10 lepers touched by one miracle. But 38 specific incidents, not including his dying on the cross and raising from the dead, that we see. But in those miracles, we see and we know. And again, we talked about how he still does miracles today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's doing miracles for us. Everybody in here has been touched by many miracles that he's done. We mentioned that last week because we were born, we were conceived, we were born, we breathe, our heart beats, our brain fires synapses, and we're able to live. And so, therefore, If you are here today, he's done many miracles and is doing many miracles for you. If you've been saved, he's done the greatest of all miracles. If you haven't been saved, he can do the greatest of all miracles in you. But as we read the miracles, he has the power, the authority to heal every disease, every sickness that ever was, and he healed all kinds of them. In fact, it says in certain places he went into a city, and it was one incident, but he healed all that were there. Of many sicknesses and diseases and cast out demons. And that was just one incident. I'm not counting that as dozens. I'm counting that as one. But he has the power, the authority to heal every disease. He has the power to do that. He can restore life. He raised people back to life again. Now, he has the power to restore life spiritually, when we believe on Him and what He did for us on the cross, and we can live forever, but also He had the power to heal people physically, as far as raise them physically back to life. We think of Lazarus, but there was others that He did that for. But again, the question was, why do we read about these particular miracles? When we know, John said, if we said everything that he did, the world itself couldn't contain all the books. So why these miracles? Why did he not do other miracles? Why were there some people that he healed and others that he did not heal? And by the way, sometimes it's about our faith. They weren't, it says they weren't believing, so he could not do many miracles there. But also there are others where it shows nothing about faith whatsoever, but he still heals them. So it wasn't always that. Why does he walk into the pool of Bethesda and heal a man who's been there sick for 38 years, but doesn't heal everybody else? Why? That's what we're trying to get to here. There's a purpose and a point to the miracle. But he can heal every disease. He can restore every life. He can mend the spirit, the heart, the broken relationship, the broken home, the broken mind. He can do it all. The most important power to heal and to heal he has is the power to forgive sins. As he told a man that we read about in John, where he says, the, the man who was at the pool of Bethesda, and he says, now, don't sin lest something worse happen to you, but he can forgive sin. Or when we see the paralytic man, remember that was dropped down uh, through the ceiling, and he says, which is easier for me to say, rise up and walk, or your sins be forgiven, but to show you that I can forgive sins, rise up and walk, because it'd be easier for me just to say, your sins are forgiven, and you would never know, but
1: now I'll show you I can also say, get up and walk, and he does. There are worse things than being sick. There's worse things than having cancer. There's worse
0: things than having a terrible brain disease. There's worse things than having anxiety. There's worse things than a broken home, a broken marriage, losing a son, a daughter, uh, and a tragedy. There are worse things, and that is to die without Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm coming to show you I have a power over all these things, but the greatest thing I have power of is to forgive. And that's the most important thing. In fact, if you gain the whole world, including your health and your money and your family and your children, but you lose, I'm paraphrasing now, but you lose your soul, what good is any of that got you? And the answer is none whatsoever. So therefore, he's showing us his power. That's the purpose of the miracles and this miracle. But also his compassion. And we talked about this already where he he, he touched us with compassion, but also he's showing compassion. And when he does these miracles, and as he goes around and he's moved to help people, it's as if he's saying, listen, not only does he have the power to heal, but he wants to heal. Jesus loved to be able to heal people. And touch people. Remember the woman who touched the hem of his garment? By the way, there's more than one time that happens and people are healed. There's another place where you read, and people of all kinds touched him and they were healed. And never once does he say, I didn't mean to do that. No, he loved to heal, he wants to heal. And in essence, what he's saying, he saying, well, what about people that don't get healed? To people today that die of diseases and sickness and cancers, children and and, and mamas and daddies and whatever it might be. And he say, well, wh- why does that happen? Because he's saying, I can heal all those, but I didn't come and I haven't come yet. For that purpose. But one day I will come. And one day I will make all things right. And one day there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. One day I'm going to come back and that will be my purpose then. But for now, and this is the key we have to understand, we can ask God for things and ask and ask and ask just like the woman did with a, the with a child who is demon possessed. Uh, God, I'm not going to stop asking until you answer me and he kind of humbles or kind of almost humiliates her, but she says, I'll be humiliated. That's okay. Whatever it takes to get my daughter healed and and this demon spirit cast out of her, and that's how we ought to be with our family and with our problems and with our children and our grandchildren. But I'm telling you, not everybody will be physically healed, but he's saying, one day I will, but one day I'm going to come back and it'll all be done with. But until then, until then, Know that I can, but also for those of you that I haven't and those of you that I have, come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and I will, it's not heavy, it, it is light. In other words, he's saying, listen, come on, come to me, in all your problems, I'm not going to heal them yet, because I want you to look to me, I want you to turn to me, I want you to trust me, but until that time that I do, whenever that is, in this life or in the next, I will make it lighter. I will make it easier. Come unto me, because I love you, and I have compassion for you, and I'm not going to Cure every disease or remove every burden. And I always won't, I, I won't always grant what you are desiring, just like I told Paul, or just like the Lord told Paul. Paul, three times, remember in the New Testament, asked the Lord to remove the thorn in the flesh. And I often joke with the fact that it probably was a kidney stone, because that's what a thorn, that's what a kidney stone feels like is a thorn in your flesh. But I don't know what it was. We don't know what it was. We know that Paul, one of the greatest. Christian man that ever lived asked God and said God three times he asked him three different times will you remove it and finally God answers him and says no but my grace is sufficient for you in other words sometimes we need to ask God and ask God and ask God until he answers but once he does and he makes it clear then what he
1: says is no but I'm going to give you something better my grace will be enough to cover the pain. My grace will be enough for you. And I'm going to give you something
0: better than what you are asking because I know better what you need. And so therefore we see that we're touched by His compassion in these miracles. But I want you to see number three and then we're going to be done His truth. Which so we see His power, His compassion, and His truth. And the truth is that he has, will set us free. That's what the Bible says. The truth will set you free. We hear that a lot. And a phrase we hear a lot today is, my truth. I want to tell you about my truth. And my truth may be different than your truth, but this is my truth. And I got to be honest, sometimes I get just get tired of hearing my truth, my truth, my truth. And my answer to that is this. I wrote it down so I didn't forget it. But I wrote it down this way. We hear people wanting to speak their truth or uh, so forth and so on. But when we claim God's truth as our truth, that we will truly understand the truth that it is Jesus Christ, that He's the truth, the way, and the life. And when we claim God's truth, not just talk about our truth, but when we make God's truth our truth, then we will be set free. And then we will have the truth. You say, that's a lot of truth. Jesus is the truth. That's God's truth. When I stop talking about my truth and claim God's truth
1: as my truth, that's when everything's going to be better. Jesus is the truth, and this miracle proves
0: he is the Messiah. Let me ask you a question in getting to this. Why do we believe? If you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the promised Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament to come, and he did come. That's him in the Gospels. He died on the cross for you and for me. If you're saved, you believe that, and if you don't believe that, you're not saved. No matter whatever else you want to believe, you've got to believe that. But why do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and is the Messiah? I'm not asking you to answer out loud. I'm just simply saying, you need to know why you believe or how you came to that conclusion. And some of you might answer me and you would say, well, I believe it because God said it. That's a very
1: good answer. God said it. It's in His Word. I believe His Word. Therefore, what else do I need? I don't need anything else. But there are some that don't yet believe this
0: is the Word of God or trust this is the Word of God or believe everything in it. So, what other re- And God gives us other ways, other evidences that we can believe. We believe because we've experienced it for ourselves. In other words, if you've been saved, there's a peace that passes understanding in situations. There's a freedom that comes when God is come into your heart. There's also a change that takes place in the way you think, in the way you talk, in the way you live. You are being changed. And I would even ask this question. Today, how are you different than you were yesterday or last year or 10 years from now? Now, I don't mean as far as, well, I'm older or I ache more or I uh i have arthritis in my hip or or you know uh whatever i mean how are you being changed to be more like jesus you see, I want to believe everybody in here is saved, and I'm not trying to debate whether you are or not. I'm not even saying that I don't think you are. That's not what I'm saying. I often say, I believe everybody in here is saved, but I also know not everybody that comes into this church or everybody that listens on the live stream or everybody that I cross paths with that claims to be a Christian is. Not my job to judge. I'm not trying to judge at all. I just know the Bible tells me that. So therefore, I want to make sure that you know for sure, and are you being changed? Because not a one of you, just like me, not a one of me, is perfect yet. No matter how perfect I want to portray myself to be, no matter how perfect I want to pretend like
1: I am sometimes, I'm not. So how has God changed you in this past year? But we believe, and I believe, that God is in me because I
0: know how he's changing me. I can see it. There are things that He does, and, and I don't always respond to it. I don't always live it, but I know there's things that He's working on in me and changing in me, and so therefore, we, I've experienced that in my life, and I'm a new creature in Christ, and He's done a miracle and changed me. But also, how do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because if I, as I read my Bible, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies about the Messiah. 324 according to some scholars prophecies that are about the coming Messiah that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, one man did a study, and he said there's 48 that are absolutely 100% directly related to the coming Messiah. Not just what would happen before him or after him or this kind of thing, but things like, for example, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and Jesus was. The fact that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, and Jesus was. The fact that these different things, that there's 48 of those, he says. I wanted to put this on the screen, and I didn't do it, didn't have time to do it. But the chance of one man meeting just 48 of those prophecies about the Messiah is equivalent the odds of that taking place. Now, I'm not a gambling man. I don't know much about gambling. But the, I, know, I know this is an astronomical uh, number. One, the chance of one person, Jesus, being the person that met 48 prophecies,
1: is 1 in 10 with 175 zeros after it. One in ten, or one in one with 176 zeros after it. I heard it put another way that if you were to take quarter or silver dollars and cover the face of Texas, it would be two feet deep. That's that's that number. If you took that number, that many silver
0: dollars, cover the state of Texas two feet deep, and one of those silver
1: dollars is Jesus. If you reached in and picked it out, that's the right one. That's the odds of Jesus meeting all 48. And yet he does. You say, well, how does that get to this miracle, this miracle? Well, I'm going to tell you. Look in verse 37 and, and really look at two different places here in this and that we're gonna be done in just just a minute he healed his hearing and his speaking
0: we see that right don't worry about the fact I think it's significant that a deaf man how would a deaf man know that Jesus is talking to him he wouldn't and so therefore Jesus touched him so he would know he was doing something but my point is this He healed his hearing and his speaking. And verse 37 says, And were beyond, the people, they were talking about it, they were telling everybody about it, were beyond measure astonished, saying he had done all things well. Look at this phrase. He maketh both the deaf to
1: hear and the dumb, or the mute, to speak. You got that? I'm out of time. i got to be quick on this. But if you look over, if
0: you would, uh, in Luke 7.22, Luke 7.22, look there real quick. Luke 7.22, John the Baptist, when he's in prison, gets a little discouraged and he sends a message or sends one of his apostles to Jesus saying, are you the Messiah that was to come? It's a little wavering of John's faith. He's discouraged, he's depressed, he's in prison. And they say, are you the one? Or are we still looking for somebody else? And Jesus sends back to him this message in John 7.22. Jesus answering unto, said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor to the poor the gospel is preached. And you say, well, what's significant about that? Look with me, if you would, in uh, Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, back in your Old Testament. This is an Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6. Actually, look at verse 4. Say to them that are fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. In other words, one of the signs or some of the signs of the Messiah would come was that he would heal the lame and the blind and the deaf
1: and the dumb. And here he's healing a man who is both deaf and dumb. And by
0: the way, when we look at the miracles of Jesus, and we see very quickly, just want to point this out to you, miracles over nature or over the elements, four different times. Miracles of provision, feeding the thousands, for example, money in a fish's mouth, four times. Miracles of casting out evil spirits, five times. Miracles of raising to life, three times. Miracles of healing blindness, now watch now, five times. Miracles of Uh, Healing a mute or a speech impediment, three times. Miracles of healing general sickness, six times. times. Miracles of healing leprosy, two different times. By the way, uh, in the Old Testament law, it says in Leviticus 14 I believe it is gives a whole thing about if a Jew is cured of leprosy or healed they get leprosy and are healed of it they had to go to the priest and they had to do certain things to prove they were cleansed and several hundred years later rabbis realized no Jew had ever been healed of leprosy ever ever the only person in the Old Testament that's healed of leprosy is Naaman. Naaman was not a Jew. Elisha heals Naaman. That's the story about when he dips in the river seven times, and after six times, he's still got leprosy, but the seventh time, the leprosy is cleansed from his body. He doesn't have to go to the priest because he's not a Jew. So no Jew was ever healed of leprosy in all the Old Testament. And so therefore, the rabbis determined That the only person that would be able to heal a person of leprosy was God himself or the Messiah that was promised to come. And so here comes Messiah, and he heals not one, but 11 people that we have recorded, one at one time, 11 at another time, that are recorded of leprosy being healed. We see the deaf One time, that's right here. That's why I told you right there in Mark 7, this this miracle, the reason I'm preaching this particular message in this place is because the miracle proved he was the Messiah. These miracles about healing the lame. And by the way, he healed the lame or the paralyzed or the palsied five times. He healed a man's ear being cut off one time. My point is this, he healed all kinds of things, but the emphasis of the miracles was to prove who he was, the Son of God, the Messiah that was to come. And so when somebody comes to us and says, well, how do you know? I know because God God says in his word. I know because he's what he's done in my life and the miracles he's doing in my life. But I also know because when I go back and read what the Old Testament says, it says that the
1: Messiah that would come will do these things. And Jesus is the only one that's ever done them. So why this miracle? Why miracles? To touch us
0: and motivate us. To demonstrate his power. To demonstrate his compassion. To show what he will one day do when he comes again. But to show who he is. And our need for him. I can heal every hurt. I can meet every need. I can take away every sickness and every disease. That's what he is saying. Every disease of the body. Every disease of the heart. Every disease of the mind. But he's saying, listen, that's not the reason I came. I can do it. But I came to do what no doctor, no psychiatrist, no priest, no preacher, nobody else can ever do and that's to cure the greatest disease that ever was, and that's the disease of sin that infests your body and infests your soul. And I'm telling you, I came to die and wash it all away if you had only believed. And now I'm healing the man who's deaf and dumb so that he can hear the good news and so that he can tell the good news. He said, well, why did he say don't tell anybody? Because as the more he told, the more the crowd showed up, and he wasn't able even to move around. But we are to tell. We are to go out and come in and say, this is why he does miracles. Because he can. And he does, and he allows things to take place so that he can do miracles, but so that he can be our comfort and he can be our peace and that we'll look to him. And one day he will come and put an end to all of it and everything will be just like it was in the beginning. And what a day that will be. But until then, know that he is a son of God. Know that the miracles are for a purpose and for a reason. And know that he can do them in your life. Beg him and call on him. Pray for somebody. He says, I don't have anything to beg and pray for. Then beg and pray for somebody else. Sooner or later, you will have something to beg and pray for. But I'll tell you what, I guarantee you there's somebody else that needs you to beg and pray. Won't we do it? Won't we realize who he is? Won't we realize that He can do a miracle, that He wants to do a miracle, but that He is doing miracles, and the greatest miracle He will ever do for anybody is to forgive their sin if they will just come to Him. Won't
1: we go out and compel them to come in to Him? Won't you come to Him today? Let's pray.
0: We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.